Welcome to Stay Gold, an Outsiders podcast. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I am joined as always by... Isamay Mulberry. We are watching our way through the 2005 release of The Outsiders, the complete novel by Francis Ford Coppola, his follow-up and re-release of his 1983 film The Outsiders with additional footage, but we're watching this movie five minutes at a time. So we have made it to the 100-minute mark. So today we're going to be talking about minute 100 to minute 105. Before we jump into the five minutes, though, maybe you can remind us where we've been on a little segment we call Previously on Stay Gold. Okay. In the last five minutes of the movie, Johnny tells Ponyboy to stay gold, and then he dies. Dally just blows up. He leaves the hospital, and as he's leaving, he pulls a gun on one of the hospital's doctors. Then Ponyboy goes back to the Curtis house and tells the rest of the gang that Johnny died. Um, then we see Dally um, pull his gun again and he robs a grocery store and he's shot by the clerk as he's running out. Then Dally calls Derry and tells him he's in trouble and to meet him in the park. And we end the five minutes as we see Dally running through the streets followed by cop cars. All right, so that's where we pick up. So we see Dally running up the street, uh, and there's a police car rolling up behind him. Suddenly, another car, police car pulls up in front of him and cuts him off. Um, so Dally dashes into the park, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because um, that's where he was headed, so he made it He made it to the park. Yeah. Um, and we see a wide shot of Dally in the park with the cop cars pulling up around him. He pulls out his gun. And kind of points generally at the cops, kind of waves it more. Mm -hmm. And he says, you're never going to get me alive. Then we see a close-up of a cop's pistol pointed at him. And the cop yells, drop it. Now, it's interesting because we've seen a close-up of of guns pointed previously Mm -hmm. when when Dally pulls the gun on the cop. Or excuse me, on the the doctor. And uh, so now we see this. The the reverse of that, we see the cop pointing the gun at Dally, Mm -hmm. but something different happens because he pulls the trigger and shoots. Yeah. And then we get a close-up of another shot, another cop's gun, same kind of thing, kind of in reverse, and we see it shot, we see the gun shot as well. So we have these two uh, shots of gunfire in succession. Uh, And we cut to the rest of the gang running up the street towards the park. And they're yelling out, don't, it's not loaded. Uh, and we see a wide shot of the park, and we hear three more gunshots, and we see Dally's body fall to the ground. And the gang is yelling, he's just a kid. Mm-hmm. So, so far, is this, uh, if we're thinking about kind of the, the book. Well, um, well, for one thing, when they're running to the park, they're not yelling anything in the book. Um. Partly because, like, when they get there is when Dally pulls out the gun and then they shoot him. It's not like as they're approaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we don't know for sure that the other gang members besides Ponyboy know about the gun or know it's not loaded. Sure. I mean, it's possible that Dally would have told them, but, like, we don't know if they know. And that would still be true, right? We've He hasn't shown that gun to anybody, mm-hmm. has he? No, we just in the movie. Yeah, yeah so, the movie so Pony the knows about it. So Pony's the one who knows that it exists and that it's not loaded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the others might, but don't know for sure. 
So from here, then we cut to a kind of a mid-range shot of Dally in profile. He's laying on the ground and kind of crawling. And he he whispers out kind of his dying word is is Pony Boy's name. He says Pony as before he sort of finally collapses and dies. Is there a last word in the book? No. And it, it like okay, it bothers me that they give him a last word in the movie. But like, why would he say Pony? He said he should be saying Johnny, right? Johnny makes more sense. Why? Like. Ugh. It's very confusing to me that this is what he says. Unless, I mean, if you, if you pay close attention right before he says that, you hear Pony Boy yell out, no. Yeah. So unless that's his recognition that Pony's there. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's was all I, can, I thought, That's too. all I can think of. Yeah, because like Johnny would make a lot of sense coming out of his mouth there. Mm-hmm. And Pony makes less sense unless it is that kind of, you know, recognizing the voice that he hears. So we see the gang surround Dally's dead body uh, in the street, and Derry cries out at the at a cop who still has his gun drawn on them. He says, "You stupid idiot! You stupid freaks!" Um, and then we see Pony Boy breaking down. He says, first Johnny, now Dallas. It's all," and he faints to the ground. Yeah. So I mean, I, I keep coming back to like like. Because now we're in the end game of the movie, yeah. so so book accuracy. I'm actually really curious about um, because the the movie has established that he is sick in some way, but we yes. don't have the concussion at least said specifically. Mm-hmm. Um. So in the book, in this part, he like that you get much more of a sense of like. He is not thinking straight in this moment, and it makes a lot more sense that he passes out. And, like, you get more the reason that it is from the concussion, and then in the movie, it seems like it could be something else he passes out. Yeah, yeah, it's it could like just be the sick, something. the shot. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, what's interesting, and I, here's where I think I think this podcast discussion gets interesting, is in the night, we just watched the end of the 1983 movie. Mm-hmm. In the 1983 movie, Ponyboy collapses... And we fade from that to what is really the final scene of the movie, Pony Boy yeah. in his in his room. Um, and we'll talk about that in on next week's episode. But everything we're going to talk about from here on in this episode is stuff that is not included in the nineteen eighty three in the nineteen eighty three yeah. cut of the film. So this is all this is all additional stuff. So um, I'd also like to say, comparing this scene, like right after Dally gets shot, to the book in the book. Derry never yells anything at the cops like no one does. Um, there's also a moment I actually really like where like Steve falls to the ground crying and like that was his like redeeming moment for me, mm-hmm. his character, and they don't have it in the movie, which makes me a little sad. No, in the book, and again, this is maybe sort of what I pictured. In the book, I pictured them pretty far away watching Dally get shot. Yeah, they're not like... At his body. Okay. Like, and did they the get to his body in the book, or is it? Well, do they you, keep that kind of distance? In the book, it's like Pony Boy passes out like right after he gets shot, basically. Okay. So probably not. Okay, because that's what I. That's my to my memory. It was this thing that they were watching at a distance, and actually, yeah. when we see Dally get shot, it, it is like, at a distance. Yeah. But then they like close in on that distance real quick. Uh huh. Um, which is a little a little. Uh, it's interesting to think about because there are all these cops with guns drawn and they're sprinting to the body like 
that's a it's a very dangerous heightened yeah. moment. And then I think that's part of like Derry's reaction is like, why do you still have your gun drawn? Like, like you've just killed this this guy, and now like what what is your plan now? Yeah. Um. So uh, from this point, uh, after Pony Boy collapses, he faints to the ground, and we hear. Uh, Sandy Nelson's teen beat start playing, and that's going to play through really uh, a good chunk of, of this mm-hmm. next scene. Um, it starts to play in the background, and we fade to Pony Boy sick in bed. And he starts to wake up, and he asks Soda if somebody's sick. Mm-hmm. And then we get this kind of superimposed shot. So on the right hand side of the screen is Pony Boy's face. On the left hand side of the screen is Pony Boy laying in bed, and Soda's sort of sitting over him, and Derry's in the background. And when Ponyboy asks if someone's sick, um, Soda says, uh, yeah, somebody's sick, mm-hmm. you know, meaning him. Um, and then we get into one of the more impressionistic parts of this movie, I yeah. would say. Uh, and and, and I, now I will – let's talk through this scene and then I want to talk about what happens in the book at this yeah, point. Because there's a lot of There's stuff. a lot more book stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I will say this scene added in – is significant in terms of thinking about the um, thinking about you know the complete novel kind of idea. Mm-hmm. So, so Ponyboy asks if somebody's sick, and 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 Soda says yes. Then um, we start to fade, and we see a, a clock on the wall, and the clock says one fifty. I'm presuming PM because it's daylight, and we hear Ponyboy's kind of like echoey voice. So it's like hard to tell yeah. is this a dream? We hear his echoey voice saying chased us caught up and he tried to drown me then we cut to dairy and soda sitting in suits in the kind of gallery of a courtroom mm-hmm. then we hear cherry's voice also echoey say i could have made it simpler for the fight not to have happened in the first place and we see a, sh- a shot of pony boy at kind of like the defendant's table um, in the courtroom we see his brothers in the background then we get a close-up to Cherry on the stand, um, and they're asking Cherry about her name. Mm-hmm. But now her voice is not echoey. Now it's clear. It's like, yeah. you know, so so now we lose that echoey effect. We see a shot of Randy in a suit next to his parents, and we hear Randy's echoey voice saying, you know, teach him a lesson. Then we go back to Cherry on the stand, and she says, there was an argument because my boyfriend showed up. And, well, he was upset that, that we were with the other boys. And now we cut to Pony Boy on the stand. And, and this is the first moment where we start to get a repeat of things we've heard. Because mm-hmm. Pony Boy on the stand says, um, they chased us and caught us. And now we fade to a split screen where Pony's on the right-hand side and Bo- and uh, Randy's on the left-hand side. Uh, and and they, we sort of hear their testimony intercut back and forth. So, um, so Bob says it, or excuse me, Randy says it was Bob and I, and Pony says they threw me in the fountain and tried to drown me. Randy says, just, just to go looking for him. Pony says they were going to beat up Johnny Cade. Randy says, you know, teach him a lesson. Now we cut to Cherry again and it says, I could have made it simpler for the fight not to have happened in the first place. We cut to Derry and Soda watching from the gallery, then Randy and his parents. And now we hear Cherry's echoey voice again saying, 
I could have made it simpler for the fight not to have happened in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's like this. It's it's weird because it's like a yeah. dream, but you also get the sense it's like it's like moving in and out of a dream, um, and and reality. Um, so we see a, sh- a shot of Cherry sitting with her parents. This is the first time we've seen the parents of mm-hmm. these other kids. Uh, we cut to three Sochas looking at each other. <laughs> We cut to the clock, and now it's like 2.33, so about like 45 minutes or so has passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see the, the pendulum swinging on the clock. We see Pony sitting at the defendant's table with Darian Soda behind him. And then we see the judge come in and read the verdict, and the judge says, Defendant not, gil- not guilty. At this time, I placed the, him in the custody of his older brother, Daryl. And we see Cherry smile and the brothers hug. And then it all sort of fades out from here. This is a yeah. very strange scene. It's kind of crazy. But it's fin- but it is like I said it's the most impressionistic thing, but I actually feel like it's in it's fitting with kind of the tone of the book post Dally's death, yeah, right? Yeah, cuz the stuff post Dally's death is weird. So can you fill in the gaps here yeah, a little okay. bit like like what what will be happening in the book at this point? So Actually, so much is cut out from the book, and I'm glad they cut it out because it's like one of my least favorite it's parts. The, of the it's book. the toughest part of the book. Yeah, to read. it's not. It's not great. I mean, like it's good writing, but it's like it's hard to read. Um, it's like after Ponyboy first wakes up, and you we see in the movie that like first after he wakes up, but then it's like we get then so much more of like he's sick. And he says in this one point that he was, like, in bed for a week. And we get so much of that. And it's, like, kind of depressing and, like, not well, and, and isn't, isn't he saying, like, that Johnny's not dead? Yeah. And, and like, he's saying it was him that killed mm-hmm. Bob. So that, then yeah. what happens is, like, Randy comes to their house, which is weird, and, like, has this conversation with Ponyboy. And he starts talking about the trial. And he brings up, like, well, you should be fine because you're not the one who killed him. And he's like, no, I killed him. And then Randy's like, no, what are you talking about? It was your friend who died. And he's like, Johnny's not dead. And it's this like really weird moment where you don't really get what's happening. And then like when they get to the trial. Because it's hallucinatory. Yeah. yeah. When you get to the trial, there's then like this whole thing where like this doctor talks to the judge. And then when Ponyboy's on the stand, they never ask him any questions about that night. And like, yeah, it's not it. It's not the best read. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think it's it's like you said, it's it's well written, but I, but I think it's a tough part of the book. So in this way, I feel like Coppola can like kind of fast forward. It's like he hits fast forward, and yeah. we we miss the hallucinatory part of Pony denying Johnny's death and thinking he's the one who killed Bob. But the way this is shot, you still get this sense that like Pony Boy is both there and not all there yeah like stuff is happening and he's not fully aware of it mm-hmm. um so i think it's i think it's fairly effective yeah it's just different filmmaking than the rest of the movie like mm-hmm. it's you know um and and they don't establish what's wrong with pony boy yeah so i feel like i don't it, think they ever say yeah. he had a concussion so it's kind of like right right and and we don't get the other like sickness part of him mm-hmm. other than you don't look so good so it's um you have to read into it, I think, if you don't if you don't yeah. know the book. Um, so from here we fade to an exterior of the school, and we see lots of people are walking around. This is the most people we've seen. I feel like you know, yeah. like like we don't really see a shot of the school until now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're seeing a lot of people, a lot of people who look 
more or less social like i would say mm-hmm. or you, you know can, you can if you're looking for it, you can see a couple more greaser looking people yeah but yeah but it's definitely yeah not that you much can, you can see how someone like pony would feel maybe out of place in this world a little bit um so uh we hear the bell ring and pony walks up bouncing a rubber ball i'm actually curious is that canonical to the book the rubber ball it's not okay but i kind of like that they have him do because at the beginning of the movie he's doing it too Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, I just was wondering that that makes sense. So I was wondering why is he walking bouncing a rubber ball, but that yeah, yeah. that that makes perfect sense. Um he sees Cherry and they exchange like a brief look of recognition and Ponyboy kind of smiles at her and Cherry looks away. And mm-hmm. then she walks away with her friends. Um and so it's this great moment of like earlier when when they the night they meet they meet, she says, you know, like if I don't say hi to you in, at school, like it's nothing personal. Mm-hmm. And this is this, they've now they've been through all of this and there still is this sense that she can't, mm-hmm. she can't bridge that, bridge that gap, which leads to thinking about like what Randy said. It's like, none of this is going to change anything. You're still yeah. going to be a greaser. We're still going to be socials. So it's, it's a pretty heartbreaking moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then Pony walks, starts to walk away, presumably walking home. Uh, and a teacher comes up behind him uh, and basically says, "I want to talk to you about your grade." And Pony's like, "I'm not. I know. I know. I'm not doing so well." He says, "Well, actually, you're failing." Yeah. Um, and uh, the teacher, Mister Syme, says, uh, "I'll tell you what. Taking into consideration the circumstances, you come up with a good semester theme, and I'll pass you with a C." Ponyboy asks if it should be a research paper, and Mr. Syme says, personal experience will do. And Ponyboy's response as he walks away is, great, my first trip to the zoo. Mm-hmm. And I think that is from the book, right? He talks yeah. about like like how he doesn't like writing things like that. It's like that they they seem like this kind of mm-hmm. formulaic talking about uh, talking about an experience. Yeah. And there's also then parts in the book, too, where he talks about like he tries to write about a bunch of different things, but he just like can't do it. Now, is is there a, a meeting Cherry at school moment in the book? No, there's not. And okay. then this interaction with the teacher happens in the teacher's classroom. Right. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. So do you like this addition? Because we're finally getting additive stuff where, where he's putting in stuff that's not in the book. I kind of do like it because it's like... In the book, you don't really get the real sense of, like, yeah, nothing has changed. But in the movie, he shows, like, yeah, nothing's changed. Yeah. That's the whole thing of, like, you think all this stuff would make this big difference, but, like, no one will remember it. Well, and what's... It doesn't matter. What's really great is you don't know what's going to happen. When he walks up and he looks up and he sees Cherry and Cherry's coming down the stairs and she looks at him for a second and you're like, I actually, like, I didn't know. Yeah. Does she say something to him? Has... Has there been some sort of connection? And I mean, she almost looks at him like a stranger. Yeah. And it almost seems like that's what he expects. Mm-hmm. Um, so from here, we cut to a view. This is a pretty cool shot. A view of the Curtis Brothers p- porch looking into the windows through the blinds. And the camera kind of kind of flies slowly in right up to the window. So you you never break through the window or break through the blinds, but it comes right up to it. And you see it's it's this shot of kind of domestic life in the Curtis house, mm-hmm. which is different than the life of the gang in the Curtis house where like everybody's there. Like 
they're actually like sitting down to dinner. Yeah. And it's, it's dairy at the, uh, you know, at the kind of the head of the table, ponies on one side. And you see soda is like serving food to people. So it, it also has the like mother, father, child kind of feel, mm-hmm. you know, where, where soda does seem maternal in that kind of way. Um, and Derry says, uh, with your brains and grades, you can get a scholarship and we can put you through college. Ain't that right, Soda? And at this, we cut to inside of the house and we and we cut to Soda. Um, and he doesn't say anything as Derry's like, isn't that right? You know, like mm-hmm. uh, Derry keeps doing this kind of thing. Uh, and then he uh, Derry says, but you're living in a vacuum, Pony. You're going to have to cut it out. You just don't stop living because you lose somebody. I thought you knew that. When I heard that, I thought about their parents dying. It's like, mm-hmm. like they've lost Johnny and they've lost Dally, but they've been dealing with loss mm-hmm. for a while. Yeah. So it's almost like he's saying you're dealing with you're dealing with this. This is hitting you harder than your parents dying. You know. Yeah. Or differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You think like their parents in the book? It says they died eight months before. Like this has been a rough year. Oh, I didn't think about yeah. it being that recent. Yeah, because it's like their parents recently died, and then it's like, and then Ponyboy watches two of his friends die. Right. It's not just they die, he watches them die. Yeah, yeah. And he also saw Johnny kill someone, well, not really see him, but like Johnny killed someone too, so this is like, it's a rough year. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of the parents' death being that close in time. Yeah, That's kind of crazy to think about. So the whole time that uh, that Derry's saying this, Soda is silent, but he looks like he wants to say something. Mm-hmm. And Derry continues, uh, and anytime you don't like the way I'm running things around here, you can just get out. And Ponyboy jumps up from the table and says, you'd like that, wouldn't you? You'd like me to just get the hell out. Well, it's not that easy, is it, Soda? And he starts to walk away. But Soda's the one who explodes right now. Mm-hmm. And he says, leave me out of it. And the um, uh, the song Out of Limits by the Marquettes plays again. So this is the same thing when, when Ponyboy had run away earlier. The same song plays mm-hmm. as Soda runs out of the house. Um, so we cut to Soda running down the street. Does not seem to be running as fast as we saw. We see this movie's got a lot of people running down the street. Yeah. Soda is not the swiftest of runners. He also like runs kind of weird. Gonna yeah. be honest. Yeah, he looks like he's swimming through the air somehow. Yeah. There's a lot of arm movement that I'm not sure what it's doing. <laughs> um so Soda runs out of the house and um Dairy and Pony run after him. And we see Pony start sprinting and he's way faster than Dairy. And I kinda yeah. like this because we've we've been told in the book and in the movie that like he runs track. And in the book we tell like he's really good at running track. Mm-hmm. And you see him take off and you're like, Oh yeah, that that's yeah. that's what we had been hearing. It's about. also this thing too where in the book, Dairy and Pony Boy after Soda Soda runs out kind of have this conversation about like why he ran out. Um and they, it's okay if they cut it out, honestly, because it's like it's a lot of it's talking about Soda's girlfriend and all that. And then the Pony Boy also comes to the realization like he didn't really worry about like Soda's problems, never really thought about it. So there's like all this time that Soda had to like get ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like Pony Boy catches him real fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, so he, he Pony Boy gets up to, to Soda and basically tackles him to the ground. Mm hmm. 
And Soda says, damn it, Ponyboy, you should have gone out for football instead of track. And Ponyboy asks where he thinks he's going. And, and so at this point, Derry and, and Pony are both sitting on the ground. They're basically in the park again. Yeah. You know, everything keep, keeps coming back to the park. And Soda says, I don't know, man. It's just like sometimes I have to get out. It's like I'm the middleman or something in a tug of war between you guys. I don't know. I can't take sides. Mm-hmm. And that's where the five minutes ends. Yeah. So you've said a lot about the book, but I want to bring up one other piece that's pretty major in the book, and they have cut entirely out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is we get a lot less soda. Like we get soda yep. pop here talking about being pulled between the two brothers. But what you pointed to is that towards the end of this book, we get this uncovering of kind of a deeper issue in Soda's mm-hmm. life. So can you talk about that a little bit? The uncovering of the issue or just throughout the book not having him in it as much? I think the unco- I think the uncover because I think that, yeah. that plays such a... It's where they come to a realization that, like you said, they never really worried about Soda Pop, but it's like, maybe they should have. Soda Pop has a, yeah. whole, has a whole life and a whole tragic story around him, too. Yeah, well, so the realization that Ponyboy comes to about, like, not caring like not noticing his problems is just like he realizes that he always tells his problem to soda pop and so does dairy and he's always in between them when they fight and they just kind of took it for granted that he doesn't have problems and then like they forget he has another like he has other parts of his life that aren't just their family yeah so there so so what i mean can can you because you read this more recently than i have so I don't want to say things that are, I mean, it's about his girlfriend, right? Yeah, that it's she, about his girlfriend. And he had mentioned, I think, in the movie that he was planning to marry her, right? At the yeah. opening scene. So she is mentioned here. She is she's mentioned at the beginning of the movie when like you think it's fine. And then what happens is at the scene, this is actually brought up like way earlier, and then like they just don't talk about it again, which is again kind of the stuff about like they don't care about Soda's problems, but it's like when pony boy like the first morning he's back at the house and like the, they're all there and they have this conversation and then when soda brings up how they're gonna have a party after the rumble and pony boy asks him like are you gonna bring sandy to the party like his girlfriend and then he learns that she moved to florida to be with her grandmother because she they don't say it but it's strongly implied that then she got pregnant but not from soda pop and then there's we then learn here that like Derry tells Ponyboy like yeah it wasn't him but he wanted to marry her anyways. So then there's this whole thing about how like he's having a lot of problems and issues and they just don't notice mm-hmm. or do stuff about it because they just are like yeah he's always fine. Yeah, because he's like a he seems like an easy carefree guy. Yeah, and it's one of the things that Lowe does really well is like you kind of don't pay much attention to him in the movie because. He just seems like he's floating by. So to get this kind of explosion moment from him is so unexpected. Yeah. Because you get this tense scene between Derry and Pony and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, something's going to happen. What you're not expecting is Soda to be like, I am here too. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's lost a little bit in the movie just because like in the book he's played up so much more as just like he's the friend to everyone who Mm -hmm. solves their problems and listens to their problems. And in the book, this is such a bigger moment of, like, 
totally unexpected that he has this reaction. Yeah, I mean, it feels a little more like we haven't really used Rob Lowe yet. We should probably he should probably have yeah. a moment too. Yeah, it it definitely has that feel. But I feel like I feel like he does a pretty good job, and it, and it goes into the next five. We'll we'll see a little bit more of this. Yeah, he, do, he does a pretty good job of kind of laying out like this is what's been going on this whole time, and you need to notice me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you were thinking about this. Uh, this part of the movie, this is a tricky one because yeah. there's, this is it's... where they zip past a big chunk of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how would you score this in terms of fidelity to book on a scale of zero to ten? Mm. Well, it's hard because it's just like they cut out so much stuff. Like there's actually this whole other part, too, that I didn't mention yet that I was going to bring up at this time. Oh, um, please do. There's like this whole thing of like the day... That Ponyboy's teacher talks to him that day, like, at lunch. There's, like, this whole thing that happens. So, like, Ponyboy, Tubit, and Steve go, like, leave school for lunch and, like, go to this grocery store. And then while Steve and Tubit are inside, Ponyboy's in the parking lot and, like, a car full of socias comes by. And they get out and they start threatening Ponyboy. And then he um, takes, like, a pop bottle and breaks it and, like, defends himself and threatens them. And then they leave and Tuba comes out and he's like, you really would have like cut them and hurt them. He's like, yeah, I would have. And then there's this great like line. See, that's so interesting. There's this great line where then Tubit says to him, hold on, I have it written down. He says, Ponyboy, listen, don't get tough. You're not like the rest of us and don't try to be. And like right before he says that, Ponyboy in his head like goes through the same advice that Dally gave him. Mm -hmm. And then it's like Tubit telling him like, yeah, no, don't do that. Like you're better than it's two bits stay gold yes it is (laughs) and they cut it out and they cut it out and it's like i kind of get why they cut it out because we've had so many yeah you've had so much of that and then after that there's this moment where then like pony boy's picking up the glass from the bottle and then it's just this thing of like he maybe did that and threatened them but like he's also kind of the same person yeah that's it's interesting that the movie has him wrestle so much more with the different views people have of what he should do between Johnny and um, between Johnny and, and Dally. And you also see Derry in this scene saying like, yes, here's our plan for you. You're going to get good grades and you're going to go to college and you're going to. Yeah. So, so everybody's got their, their idea of what pony, who pony's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, th- it, that's, I really like the, 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 the way this book wraps up. Um, so it is tough to lose that stuff, but yeah, at this point in the movie, it feels like we've got to get to the resolution. Yeah, because it, yeah, it's a weird thing in the book where it's like you're at this point, Dally's dead. It seems like it should be almost over, and there's like two and a half chapters left, and there's only twelve chapters in the book. So yeah, that's like kind of a lot. Yeah, it's a sixth of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, they're shorter chapters, but still, like they're like ten pages each. Yeah, so there's a lot left after that, and they cut it down a lot in the movie. Just kind of nice because it's kind of like Pony Boy having issues, and you don't want to see that as much, honestly. Sure, sure. So, what, so what do you score this? Oh, it's hard because they cut out so much. I want to give it like a five. Okay. Because okay. they cut out a lot, and the stuff that stays in because of parts they cut out feels different. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, and as we said, a low fidelity score doesn't mean it's a bad five minutes. It just means yeah, it's, it just means it's, it's diverging different. from the book. Yeah. yeah, stuff is added in, stuff is taken out. Yeah, should we do a little deep dive? Yeah. All right. So I was interested um, at this point in thinking about how well this movie did. Um, so I wanted to look at the box office for March twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three, for that weekend um, to see, like, you know, yeah, like I know the Outsiders was not regarded as a huge commercial success, but I was curious. Um, so the Outsiders opened on 829 screens, which is a lot, but it's not as there were definitely movies that were on more screens across the country mm. uh, with the budget of ten million dollars. So in its opening weekend, uh, the Outsiders was number two at the box office. So number one um, was a movie that was also opening that week called Spring Break, which made basically five point nine million dollars. Um, the Outsiders made five million. That was number two. Uh, number three was a movie called uh, The High Road to China, which was a movie in its second week, so it had been number one the week before. And I don't, I'm unfamiliar with this movie, so I did. I was looking at it to try to figure out, like, what is this movie about? And it seems like kind of an Indiana Jones ripoff starring mm. Tom Selleck instead of Harrison Ford, but it, it feels like it's kind of like Indiana Jones was successful, so people were like, make us more Indiana Jones kind of movies. It seems mm. like that. Uh, number four was the movie Tootsie, um, which was in its 15th week. So this had actually come out in um, in late 1982. It was one of the Best Picture nominees. I mean, Tootsie is a movie on the AFI Top 100. Um, and then number five I found interesting was also a movie in its opening week, The Black Stallion Returns, which was the, the sequel to The Black Stallion making uh, $2.9 million. Now, the reason I find that interesting is The Black Stallion and The Black Stallion Returns are, were movies from American Zoetrope. So uh, Coppola was a produ- one of the producers on mm. The Black Stallion Returns and on The Outsiders. Both of those movies opened this weekend and were in the top five. Um, by week two, The Outsiders was still number two in the box office, still again behind Spring Break, making $3.7 million. Week three, it had fallen to number three, uh, making just over $3 million. Uh, in week four, it was number five at the box office, 2.1 million. Week five, it was it fell to number seven. Week six, it was at number nine. Week seven, it was at number nine. So it really, when you think about it, it's about seven weeks of kind of box office relevance before it really started to tail off. Mm. Um, but you know, that's it's there are definitely movies who have a shorter run than that. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it stays in the top five for um, for four weeks, you know, that says that it had some staying power. It ends up making about twenty five million. So on a ten million dollar budget, it's not a, it's definitely not a big hit like pe- like I think people were expecting. Yeah, but it definitely made back its budget, you know, it uh, and, and then some. Uh, should we give out an award? Yeah. All right. Uh, possible nominees for who won the five here. Um, we have the death of of Dally Winston. So I threw Matt Dillon on here. I think he has. Uh, a couple. He has two lines in this, right? He says, "You're not. You'll never take me alive," or something like that. And then mm-hmm. he says, "Pony." Um, we have C. Thomas Howell, Pony Boy Curtis, um, Diane Lane as Cherry Valance. I mean, she shows up both at school and and in the trial scene. And then I have Patrick Swayze as Derry and Rob Lowe as Soda Pop. Mm. So, I think there's a couple different directions we could potentially go here. Uh, what are you What are you thinking? I don't know. It's a weird thing of like just you think about all the different parts, and they're just like so. Like different groups of people, you know. Mm-hmm. 
So saying any one of them is like, but then there's all this part they're not in. Yeah, there's three distinct sections of this movie. Yeah. And it's like. So um, I think the way to go then is to think about what is the light that shined brightest, mm. you know, in, in any one of those segments. Kind of leaning towards Rob Lowe. I think so. I think I think he's good yeah. before he blows up and he's good after. Mm-hmm. And I think, like we said, this this is the part of the movie where they decided, well, we haven't really given Rob Lowe something to do. Which tells you how little he has to do with the 1983 movie. Because this is his yeah. big section here. And this isn't even in the 1983 cut. So, And also at the beginning, they cut out where you see all of them. Exactly. So he's really not in the 83 and he's not really a character. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny because Soda is such, mm-hmm. um, such a big factor in the book. And in the 83 movie, it's like he's in – There's it's like one scene where he's not in with Steve mm-hmm. is the thing. It's like he – is like almost functions the same way. Like he's kind of just there in mm-hmm. the eighty three one. Yeah. So I, I I agree with that. I think I think he's he's quite good in this. You know. I think you could also. Mm-hmm. This is also a spot where you could think about C. Thomas Howell. He's yeah. He's pretty good at parts of it, but he also like doesn't have that much to do. Mm-hmm. It's funny because he's in all of this and still doesn't have that much to do. Where at least yeah. at least Rob Lowe has like has a moment where he takes over the movie and it becomes his story a little bit. Yeah. So I feel good about that. I feel good about Lowe here. Um, tell us what you think, listeners. Email us, channel 3900 at gmail.com. How do you feel about this addition to the movie um, from from the 1983 cut? Um, tell us what you think about the stuff that was cut from the end of this Um from the end of the this part of the story, do you wish Coppola had added maybe another ten minutes and we got sort of the agony of Pony Boy, um, and 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 more importantly, we got that two bit scene where he breaks the bottle and and two bit says, you know, basically don't become Dally Winston. Mm-hmm. Do you wish that was in here? Uh, let us know. Channel thirty nine hundred at gmail.com. That is all the time that we have, but we will be back next week to talk about minute 105 to minute 110 until then stay gold